And so I want you to go with me. Now today we're going to talk about uh, the miracle is in your hands. That's the title of my message. Go to Mark chapter 6 and verse 34. I'm going to read all the way to verse 52. These look like two stories, but they're really one and the same. And then we're going to extract God's truth. Are you ready? Okay. It says here, if you got, you got it in your Bibles, hopefully you got it in your app or you got it in your, in your Bible in front of you. 34, after Jesus, and Jesus, when he came out, saw a great multitude and was moved with compassion for them because they were like sheep, not having a shepherd. So he began teaching them many things. This was at the beginning of the day. When the day was now far spent, so towards the end of the day, his disciples came to him and said, this is a deserted place. And already the hour is late. Send them away that they may go into the surrounding country and villages and buy themselves bread for they have nothing to eat. But he answered and said to them, you give them something to eat. And they said to him, shall we go and buy 200 denarii worth of bread and give them something to eat? But he said to them, how many loaves do you have? So he ignored the question and went straight to another direction. He said, go and see. And when they had found out, they said, we have five loaves and two fish. Then he commanded them to make them all sit in groups on the green grass. So they sat down in ranks of hundreds and fifties. And when they had taken the five loaves and two fish, he had looked up to heaven, blessed it, broke the loaves and gave it to them. His disciples set it before the people. He set it before the disciples and disciples set it before the people. And the two fish he divided among them all. So they all ate and were filled. Everybody say, I'm full. And they took up 12 baskets, which was huge because there's a lot of teaching behind this. But they were in the area of 12. The actual area they were in in the green grass was called the area of 12. And a couple chapters later, he'll do the miracle of feeding 4,000, which is, and he'll have seven baskets left over. And that's actually the area of seven. The reason for the 12 first is one of the reasons is because there was 12 tribes. And that's where the children of Israel, the first 12 tribes of Israel, entered into the promised land. So that's partly part of that picture but it's also for the 12 disciples. The other reason that Jesus did two of these miracles, because I didn't, have you ever wondered that reading the Bible? You're like, I read a story about how he fed thousands. And then a couple chapters later, I think they just repeated the same story. And then you're reading the same chapter and it's two different places and two different miracles because in the first miracle, he fed 5,000 men, which is really roughly about 20,000 people. Then it was a little more than that over here or a little less than that over here with the 4,000 men. And then on top of that, women and children, right? Well, the reason he did it here and there is because this area was predominantly Jewish and this area was predominantly Gentile. And what Jesus was communicating is I'm coming for you first. But I haven't forgotten you either. And so I'm coming to build a covenant with you. And, and, and Jesus is speaking so much without saying a word. And so he came to build a covenant relationship with you and I. And I want us to learn from this scripture in this passage. Because then it says this. Now those who had eaten the loaves were about 5,000. So again, we're closer to 20,000 people. Immediately, this is the next piece that could look like a different story. But I'm going to show you it's the same story. Immediately, he made his disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side of Bethsaida while uh, he sent the multitude away. And when he had sent them away, he departed to the mountain to pray. Now, when evening came, now it's dark, the boat was in the middle of a sea and he was alone on the land. He saw them straining and rowing for the wind was against them. Now about the fourth watch of the night, so really late, he came to them walking on the sea and would have passed by them. 
Wouldn't even, he would have just kept on walking. Like, I'm going to get there. I don't know about you. You'll just see what happens in the morning. And so he keeps on walking. And then all of a sudden, when they saw him walking, they supposed it was a ghost. So they don't even recognize him, for they all saw him and were troubled. But immediately he talked with them and said to them, be of good cheer. It is I. Do not be afraid. Then he went up into the boat with them. The wind ceased, and they were greatly amazed and in themselves beyond measure and marveled. And then look at the scripture. This is how the two tie together. For they had not understood about the loaves because their heart was hardened. Lord, we thank you for today, and we thank you for this word. We thank you, God, that it's going to be fresh bread into our life. It's going to minister to us. But, Lord, I pray right now, every heart, every heart here and online is ready to receive. God is ready for their word, is ready for their manna, is ready for their miracle, is ready for their answer. God, I pray, Lord, help us to be nimble of mind and flexible in spirit. Lord, flexible in our heart, Lord, that we might be ready to receive all that you have for us. And, Lord, I thank you, God, Lord, that you are going to do something in us today. Lord, that there's a miracle and there's multiplication on the way for somebody. I pray that there's a sense of anticipation, God, Lord, for somebody in here. You didn't come in here to fall asleep at church. You didn't come here to be bored at church. You came here to experience God. And as you experience the Most High, God is going to minister to you like never before and all those who believe it said a good amen. amen. Okay, so I want to kind of wade our way into this story, into this teaching. So we're just going to walk our way through this, okay? Say, say go ahead, Pastor. So we're going to just wade our way into the water. Uh, and as we do, I, I want you to see that this whole story ties together because he ends the second piece of the storm with the first part with the loaves and the fish. But I want to paint the picture for you, and we're going to extract the truth of what God has for us because there's a word in here that God wants to bless you. God wants to multiply you. All throughout Scripture from Genesis, when he spoke to Adam and Eve, he said, be fruitful and multiply. Then he told Noah and his kids, be fruitful and multiply. And then he continued to speak it. He said, children of Israel, I'm going to teach you how to multiply. And then he got into the New Testament with the book of Acts. And in Acts chapter 2, after the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, right before Acts chapter 3, all of a sudden they multiplied. And then it went from multiplying to the enemy tried to come against them. And even though there was adversity, the church began to multiply. Come on, y'all are going to catch me by the next time. And then all of a sudden, when the church started experience great growth and great wonders and great miracles and great signs, they began to multiply. And it continues to multiply. See, God is a God of multiplication. And God wants to multiply in your life. Some of you parents are like, I have enough children. Uh, I, don't, I don't need more. Please do not pray that, speak that, or think that about me. But man, I, I pray that God multiplies the, the, the virtue in your kids. I pray that God multiplies the passion for him in your kids. I pray that God multiplies in your house. And God continues to speak that. But how we start this story is Jesus shows up and he's in the middle of nowhere practically. And he's at the, the, the entrance or the threshold, we may call it in scripture, of the promised land. And so he has, uh, he's in the area of 12 and he begins to sit down. On a nice little rock, I'm sure, like Jesus always does. You know those church paintings 
of Jesus. He's just looking so elegant with his white gown. And then he's got like probably a sheep flocking around over there. And then he's got kids close by. And it looks so picturesque. And he's got 20,000 people all the way to the back. There's 20,000 people here. And he's just teaching. And he's preaching. And then the disciples. God bless the disciples. We learn so much from them. Thank the disciples, right? I, I thank the Lord for the disciples because you know what? I learn what to do and not to do. So the disciples do what many people do. They form a committee. Y'all know what I'm talking about. They're like, hey, let's talk over here. You know, They come over here like Josh. He's been preaching all day. This guy's been preaching and teaching all day. I'm tired. I'm hungry. See, really, the, I think the disciples were hungry. So then the disciples are talking, and they're like, but he's not going to listen to us. He's going to tell us, just get away and go get some food. But if we can get him, uh, to, he loves the people. If we can get him to understand that the people are hungry, and our heart is for the people, even Ju Judas, don't you know somebody who has an inn down there? Jesus loves staying at inns because he couldn't when he was a baby. So we'll just tell him, hey, we got an inn. We got, uh, we got a hotel ready. We're going to go relax. Jesus, you need to rest. And the disciples decide they're going to manage Jesus. So they go over there, and they're like, oh, okay. So they elect an official. So Philip, all right. So Philip comes over, and Philip says, hey, uh, you know, I love your preaching. I love your teaching. I mean, it's good. It's, um, I could listen to it all day. I, I could be here all night. We, we could never stop. You're incredible, Jesus. I can hear this. And he says, you know, but the people, the people are hungry. And, and we want, we, we, I know you love the people. And, and Jesus looks at him after he comes to him, and he goes, just like a great leader. When he tries to hand off the problem, the great leader goes ahead and makes him take ownership of the problem. He goes, okay, you feed them. Huh, okay. <laughs> so he goes back over to his little council. He's like, they're like, Josh is asking, hey, did, did you tell them the people are hungry? Did you tell them we have an end? Did you tell them? What did you tell Yeah, yeah, I told them. I told them. What did he say? He said, we should go feed them. <laughs> and wh while they're there, he's like, oh, my goodness. Well, so they think, hey, Jesus, that would cost like 200 denarii, which denarii, you know, is about, oh, one denarii is about a day's wage. So if you equal that out, it's somewhere around like 16,437, but I'm not an expert. But so you have this, a number, they throw out some huge number, you know, more than a half a year's wages. And so they're like, oh, there's no way he's going to approve because get the, okay, I want to, I didn't give this to first service. So I'm going to give it to you. They had the money. What they were saying is, should we go get that money and should we spend it? Because remember, Judas had the money and they had all the money they needed for the entire ministry of Jesus for all of them to last throughout it all. So they had the money, but they're like, you don't want us to spend the money on them, right? I mean, just send them away. Somebody say, send them away. So they try to send him away, and Jesus turns to him, skips the question, doesn't even listen to their greediness of money. And so he goes like this. He says, how much bread do you have? So then he asks him, what do you have? Forget about my money that you want to spend. I want to know what you have. And, I, man, this is – so then he goes – so these guys are like, oh, 
We'll go find out. So he comes over there. They mug some little kid, take his sack lunch, and then they have like five loaves and two fish, and they think they got Jesus. They're like, we got him now. Jesus, we only got five loaves and two fish. <laughs> we ain't feed 20,000 people. <laughs> and they're just like, they're, they're in another world. And Jesus is like, I can, I can see, I know how Jesus is looking at him. He just has a smile like, good. Go tell them to sit in groups of 50 and 100. Now, can you imagine what they look like the moment he said that? Because they're saying all we have is minimizing what they have in their hand. And we'll get there in a minute. But what they, they, they said, all we have is five loaves of two. He says, go prepare everybody. Because what he was going to do is he was going to teach the people how to prepare for their blessing. And so he begins to get them in groups of 50. And he begins to get them in groups of 100. And he sends the disciples out to go through. Just let me give you a little picture here. Uh, 20,000 people, groups of 50 to 100. We're talking anywhere from 300 to 400 times the disciples had to do this. Do you think they got annoyed? You ever dealt, come on, y'all ever dealt with people? Like, <laughs> they're walking through and they're like, and, and you think, because there's three different perspectives here. First off, there's Jesus' perspective, and Jesus is sitting here. He knows what's going to happen, and he says when the disciples come to him and they present a problem, he turns around, and instead of sending them away, he says, no, you're going to find out how you get provided for it, and I'm going to teach you something here, because I'm going to get to this more in just a second, but good leaders take ownership, great leaders share ownership. So then he continues and he teaches these disciples a, a huge lesson. And as he teaches them, then there's the other perspective. There's Jesus' perspective. There's a crowd's perspective. So then there's a crowd out there, right? Imagine yourself, if you can, sitting out in the sun all day. You haven't eaten. You haven't had anything to drink. How many get hangry in here? Anybody get a little hangry in here? Come on, you sinners. Raise your hands. So I, I, I get a little hangry. You're dealing with 20,000 hangry people. And you're talking about there are kids. You ever had a baby cry in the middle of your preaching? I know I have. And I'll tell you what, 20,000 people, there are definitely a handful of babies screaming their head off in that moment. And, and I'm there's all kinds of stuff happening in the crowd. They're like, okay, we need to group you. You know, we need to get in the crowd. You know what the crowd's saying. Well, what are we going to do? What are we going to eat? Oh, I don't want to be in this group. I want to be in that group. I don't like my group. Hey, why are they in the front? Because you know there were people who were close. You know there were people who were close to the front with Jesus, and they saw the five loaves and two fish. You will never see people move faster to the front row. I think I want to be in this group right here. I'm sure there's plenty for all of us. You guys, everybody stay there. I'll be right. And you, th and you come, and people are vying for, people are out there, you know, the cute little crowd. They're taking selfies, you know, listening to Jesus on the grass. I love people who take selfies and check in at church. You want to know why? Because they're proud of where they are. You know, there's a lot of people who won't uh, check in. They'll check in at all kinds of other sporting events on social media, but they'll never check in at church. I pray somebody takes out their phone right now with a spirit of conviction on you, and you just check in. Some people won't do it because they're, I guarantee in the 20,000, there were people in the back like, I don't know if I, uh, if I want to be known with this crowd yet. I don't know if I want everybody to see me with this Jesus guy. I'm just going to go ahead and sit on over here. And they hide in the back. Come on, we're talking about, this is all that's happening in this moment. You ought to tweet about your pastor. 
That's the whole message for today. No. <laughs> no. So then we have the crowd's perspective. Now I want to get to the real meat. So then, then, then the disciples. The disciples know how much they have. So now Jesus tells them to go out and sit everybody in groups of 50 and 100. Now the first group, I think it sounded a lot like this. Hey, guys. Let's take a seat. And they're asking, why? What are we doing? Hey, guys, take a seat. Take a seat. Groups of 50, groups of 100. And they're saying, what are we going to do? What's going on? We're going to feed you. Maybe. <laughs> and then they, they get to the second group. And they're like, hey, everybody sit down. Everybody get ready. Get prepared. Why? Why? What are we doing? Because we're going to feed you. And, and, and they keep kind of looking like, oh, because they know. Could you imagine? God is saying, hey, you got $35 in your bank account. I want you to go ahead and I want you to expand the kingdom of God and go build something incredible. You're like, hey, this doesn't add up. I, I don't know if you see what I have, but what I have is not much. And so they're they are seeing, they know what they saw. So they're going out and they're continuing. And by the 30th and the hundredth time, they're like, sit down. Then everybody like by the third hundredth time, I just like me and you, I'm just sit down, shut up. Everybody, we're feeding you. You're gonna get we're gonna get food to you. Everybody's gonna be happy. Just be quiet and do what I say. Right? By the end of it. They're either frustrated or finally they're at a place of faith where they've said it three and four hundred times where they're like, sit down, get ready. God's going to do something. Sit down, get ready. God's going to do something. Sit down, get ready. God's going to do something. Come on, somebody who believes God's about to do something. Sit down, get ready. God's about to do something. Because what, they, what Jesus was teaching them is, like, is the opposite of what we expect. We expect Jesus to do something, and then we'll step out in obedience and faith. But Jesus is saying, no, you're going to do what I say. And every time you pick up your word, and every time you go to church, and every time you worship, and every time you pray, by the hundredth time, you're like, sit down, get ready. God's going to do something. No, I haven't seen it yet, but sit down, get ready. God's going to do something. Every time I step out and prepare my heart, prepare my family, prepare my home, prepare myself, when do we get tired and say, I want to quit? Because somewhere along that line, there's a lot of believers who by the hundredth time they've tried all these things, they're like, it hasn't happened yet. And Jesus is saying, because it's not ready. When you get everything ready, then I'll come. Oh man, that man, I could preach on the second coming of Jesus right now. It, when you get ready, then I'll come. When you're ready for the blessing, so many of us are praying, God bless me, God bless me, God increase me. But God's saying, no, 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 I need you to pray. God, prepare me. God, get me ready. God, get my house in order. God, get my kids in order. Get my finances in order. Because the same person who's dealing with the issues of money and can't handle it won't be able to handle a greater amount of money. But God wants to prepare you to bless you. And then they come back, and Jesus... Now we're finally getting to the real talk of it here. But Jesus, they get back to Jesus, and he hasn't even touched the bread or the fish. They come back, walking through 20,000 people. And they all get up here because it's the people of God's responsibility to be prepared. It's the ministers of God's responsibility to prepare everybody, and it's God's responsibility to bless everybody. So what happens is, as we prepare and we get ready, as we prepare everything, then we come back and we surrender. 
what we have. See, what the disciples did is said, I only have five loaves and two fish. And every time we look at what we have in our hands, it doesn't look like much. Oh, man. But when I put it in his hands, it's more than enough. When I look at what I have, it's never enough. But when I put it in his hands, it's always enough. When I surrender what I do have, because many of us have, let's be real, we have a lot more than five loaves and two fish waiting at home for us. You have so much more than that. And God is saying, when you do surrender what you do have, I will bless and multiply when you hand it over. But I need you to surrender it because anything that's not surrendered can never be blessed. And God is waiting for that fresh surrender to say, okay, here we go. I'm going to give it up. I'm going to give it up. I'm going to surrender this. Because look at the disciples tried to shoo away what God was going to do. But if you shoo away your problems, you'll also shoo away your provision. God will never, never meet your need as long as you keep running from your need. As long as you keep running from your issue. As long as you keep saying, oh, it's somebody else. It's, oh, well, it's there. Jesus, this is your problem. And Jesus said, no, it's part of your problem. Because we're going to take ownership in this. So many of us want to put the blame on somebody else and God's saying, no, no, you're going to be a part of the solution. And he says, give me what you have. And as he surrenders what he has, then Jesus does what with it? We all know the scripture. He looks to heaven. He blesses it. Because anything surrendered in his hands goes from something that was minimalized to now that something is maximized. And now it can be blessed. Until you surrender it, God can't bless it. So then he blesses. And then, I'm going to tell you something you probably never heard before. He broke it. (laughs) But this is why it's so profound. Because of what the disciples were expecting. I know what the disciples were expecting. It's not written in the book of Mark or Matthew. It's written in the Old Testament from from the story of Elijah. They, these were young Jewish boys who knew what Elijah had done. A great prophet before God incredible prophet. What Elijah had done is he'd done this. There was the same kind of thing, same kind of issue. Elijah had a, a loaf of bread and a hundred men that were hungry and needed to be fed. Elijah did the same thing, but he did not break it. Elijah blessed it and the loaf grew. The loaf just expanded and grew and fed a hundred men. So the disciples in their weird little look, they're like, oh, he's blessing it. And then the moment he broke it, they're like, no, that's not, no. They were expecting a foot, a mile long fish sandwich. And they were like, this is going to be amazing. He's just going to feed everybody. 20,000 people. This is better than Long John Silver. And so they're all, they're expecting him to let it grow. But what he does is the opposite. He breaks it. Because anything that is broken before the Lord can be multiplied in his hands. But you cannot be multiplied. You cannot be multiplied unless you are broken. Because a broken vessel before the Lord is a moldable vessel. And anything that is moldable can be multiplied. But as long as you are stiff-necked and hardened and in your ways, and you will not move, he will not multiply you. And you need to be able to say, okay, God, I want to be broken before the Lord. And he didn't do it just so that he didn't do it like Elijah. He didn't do it because he said, okay, here we go. Broke it, and then with the shocked look on their face, he handed them the bread. And I'm sure I would, like, because there's 20,000 people watching. They're all watching this. 
I would probably do this. Hey, Jesus. What? <laughs> How's this? What are we supposed to do? I mean, I don't want to make you look crazy in front of all these people, but you just broke it. And he's like, go around and feed him. And you can imagine the disciples, they have this little couple pieces in their hand, and then they, they handed it off, and they give them a piece, and they only got a couple pieces left, and they hand out another piece, and, and then all of a sudden, when they get ready to hand that third piece, all of a sudden, they got three more pieces, and then, then they go to hand off another piece, and now they've got more pieces, and by the hundredth person, it keeps doing it. By the thousandth person, by, by the twenty thousandth person, they're just continuing to see this miracle happen in their own hands, because Jesus, when it comes back to it, remember what I said, good leaders take ownership, great leaders share ownership, and what Jesus is wanting to do is, I can do the miracle without you, but I don't want to do it without you. That's the reason I came, It's because I want to put the miracle miracle in your hands and I want you to see me work through your hands come on church I need somebody to help me preach I need somebody that believes I need somebody who gets fired up in faith and says the miracle is in my hands because when he talked to the young man who couldn't walk it was him who rolled up his mat and walked right out of the room because the miracle was in his hands it was the disciples who threw the net to the other side of the boat and pulled up a harvest that they could not dream of because he wanted the miracle in their hands from the beginning of time when God used to walk with Adam and Eve in the garden he desired it through the price that Jesus would pay so that the Holy Spirit could be with you not because so, look the reality is if he just wanted to do it himself we would all be in heaven it would all be done the moment Jesus was crucified on that cross and, and, and we would all been swept up to heaven and we would none of us would have happened we'd all been there because he doesn't need he doesn't want to do a work through you He's just going to do it for you. But that's not how God works. God works because he wants to do a work together. He wants to do this together. He wants to work it together. He wants to build the kingdom together. He wants to bless you in your hands so that when you pray for somebody, you can see the miracle in your own hands so that when you declare the power and authority that resides in you because of the Holy Spirit, he can see the miracle in your hands and he can say, no, 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 we're not just strangers in this. We're partners in this business. We're here together in this because the miracle, come on somebody, if you believe it, begin to praise God that the miracle miracle is in your hands. The miracle is in your hands. Woo! Hallelujah! Come on, man. I don't know what you're feeling, but I'm feeling God. And God's saying, look, the miracle is in your hands. He wanted to do it through them. He made them sit them. He made them prepare. He made them speak it in faith. He made them get ready. And even though they went through all the motions, their heart was so hardened, they weren't ready to see a new perspective. And when the storm came, they forgot their source. And if you never recognize the source of your life, you'll never make it through the storms of your life. Because when the storm did come, oh no, we're going to die. We're going to drown. How many times did we hear that in the scripture of all the disciples saying, we're going to die again? I'm like, man, at some point, y'all got to like get it together here and realize that you have Jesus with you because they were in the boat and they had the provision with them. Think about this. I'm in the boat and each of us are standing right next to our basket full of the provision of God. And yet in the middle of our problem again, we forget our provider and we're still sitting there wondering, oh man. So when Jesus tries to show up and Jesus actually shows up in church, oh man, oh, Holy Spirit, help me preach. He begins to walk by until somebody recognizes who he is and they're like, oh, wait, 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 wait. 
because he would have walked right on by you. Oh, somebody's hearing me in their heart today. The Holy Spirit shows up every day. Jesus shows up every time. And he's walking by. Are you going to let him keep walking? Are you going to let him walk right by you in the middle of your storm? Or are you going to call out, no, Jesus, don't pass me by. Jesus, don't pass me by. I don't understand it all. I don't have it all figured out. But don't pass me by. Get in my ship. Cease my storm. I know my source. I call on my provider that no matter what I face, when the enemy throws it at me, I know when in good times and in bad times, I know who my God is. And I can praise him when it's stormy outside, and I can praise him when it's shining outside. That's how God meets us. Because anybody can worship God when it's all good. It's sunshine outside. It takes a real believer to worship in a storm. Their hearts were hardened. They didn't recognize it. Even Jesus spoke over Jerusalem. He says, you don't even know the hour. You missed it. Did you show up to church today and, and you're wondering if you're going to miss it? I believe right now that the Holy Spirit is going to help soften some hardness. And, and this is no disrespect to anybody. When life brings us pain, sometimes we tend to put up a wall to protect that area. And then when life brings us adversity and friends betray us, we put another wall up. And sometimes when, when, when we feel like God has been silent, like these disciples had experienced and all of Israel experienced for 400 years, they build up a wall that it can't be done. Maybe nothing is going to happen. And they continue to harden their heart. And they, they, now they're in the presence of the Most High. They're in the presence of Jesus. And they're so callous, they can't comprehend who is with them. Let me just warn you, believers, never come into the presence of God trying to feel your way into it and try to act. you got to push yourself. you got to act your way into a feeling and say, okay, God, I, 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 don't, I don't feel like it today. I'm coming through all hell, but I'm going to praise you when it doesn't make sense. I'm going to praise you and worship you. When it doesn't feel right, I'm going to praise and worship you. When I don't get it, I'm going to praise and clap my hands. Come on, y'all who are clapping your hands, you're about to receive multiplication. Because that's how we receive. We speak it. We declare it. We clap our hands. We praise God. Because you know what? If the disciples had been silent, Jesus would have walked on by. In your marriage, you are the miracle. You need to become the miracle that God created you to be, that he's empowered you to be, to walk in full authority and power because he died so that you could have all authority and power given to you so that you can do things that he did, greater things than he did. Oh, man, hallelujah. Holy Spirit, help us move. Holy Spirit, help us move. Help us move the hardened heart. Help us take that chisel out. Come on, let God go ahead and take a chisel out today. Quit pushing his hands away and let him chisel away at that hardness. Let him chisel away at that stiffness. Let him chisel away so that when your storms come, you know your source. So that when you need provision, you know your provider. And you know that the miracle isn't just coming through God, it's coming through you too. And God is going to use you to build the kingdom. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Holy Spirit, we thank you. Every person in here and every person streaming online, before we close, if this message is spoken to you in any direction, I want you to raise your hand right now all over the sanctuary. Praise God. Keep them up. This almost 100%. So I want you to keep them up. And everybody online, both prisons, Jennifer, and Justin, who are leading both of those prisons, I want you to get, lay hands on people right now, and I want you to get ready for prayer. 
Lord, in Jesus' name, come on, I want you to pray with me, saints. I want you to pray with me, believers. If you're new to the things of God, I want you to just be called on the name of Jesus. Say, Jesus, don't pass me by. Jesus, don't pass me by. Put the miracle in my hands. God, I'm going to surrender everything to you. God, where I've been minimalizing what I have, I'm going to maximize it by putting it in your hands because it's much greater in your hands. It's blessed when it's in your hands. And Lord, I thank you that I'm going to be broken before you. I'm going to be broken in your presence. I'm going to be vulnerable in your presence. And God, I'm going to be ready to be moldable. God, because if I'm moldable, you can multiply me. Multiply us. Come on, somebody say multiply me. Somebody begin to pray, multiply me, Lord. Do the miracle in my life. Do the miracle in my family. Do the miracle. Do the impossible, God, Lord, that we never thought possible. Oh, Lord, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Oh, we're meeting God today. Oh, we're meeting God today. Somebody's going to leave here blessed. Somebody's going to leave here blessed in the name of Jesus. And with every head bowed and every eye closed here and online, if you want to receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior or maybe even rededicate your life to the Lord, you've been living on your own. You've been doing your own thing. You've run astray and run away from the Lord. It's time to come back. It's time to come back to the Lord. If that's you, wherever you are, I want you to raise your hand right now. Thank you for the hands going up in this house and online. Thank you for those hands. Keep them high. Every head's bowed, every eye's closed. This is between you and God. And God wants to see your heart. And your hand raised is showing what's happening internally. With every hand that's raised and heart that's open here and online, we're all going to pray together. Every believer, every sinner, every saint, we're all going to pray this prayer and repeat after me. Dear Jesus, I receive you now as my Lord, as my Savior, as my Heavenly Father. I'm forever yours, and I am saved. In Jesus' name. Everybody said? Come on. Hallelujah. 